lace up your boots pull down your straps it's good it's bad it's no psychology needed what's going on everyone uh back for another episode no psychology needed i'm alex cologne and today's guest is none other than madman pondo what's going on pondo Ah, uh, man, same old shit, you know, uh, staying out of the protests as best I can and uh, trying to get healthy. Uh, December 17th, I was 326 pounds, and I think the last time I checked, I was 257 pounds, so Good just shit. doing my best, you know. To uh, June 24th, I'm going to be 51, so I better be watching my shit, right? Got You got to keep it like like wine, Pondo. Wine, the older it gets, the better it gets. So, just got to keep pushing. I'm, I'm more like I'm more like piss beer, man. Like the older <laughs> I get, I, <laughs> I smell. I guess oh, I don't know, dude. No, I feel you. Um, during the pandemic, for the first two months, man, I didn't do anything. I sat at home and I I gained weight and I just got on the scale recently and I tried to put my uh my gear back on to do one of them, uh, change them, um, clothes changing videos. And, mm-hmm. um, I couldn't fit in the motherfucker. So I was like, what the fuck? And I checked my waist size cause I have a thing for gear. And I was like fucking size 40. What the fuck? So, uh, they finally right. let us back at the gym two weeks ago. So I've been at the gym every fucking day trying to like lose this damn weight. Well, I, I did it way different. I did not stay in the house. I had to deliver pizza most of the time. And and, uh, 10.30 at night, every night, I walk this bridge here in Jeffersonville. It goes from Indiana to Kentucky. I mean, uh, I didn't stay in the house. I I lived my life. The, The only thing that I changed was what the government made me change. Like, I didn't wear a mask. I didn't wear gloves. And uh, there at the end of Pizza King, which I don't work there no more, uh, the last, last week and a half I had to wear a mask, and I was fucking miserable. So um, I don't know. I just see, like, like if it's going to take you, it's going to take you. So, yeah, I just haven't been staying at home. But, of course, even going out, there ain't shit to do. Yeah. So, But things are starting to open up now. Yeah. It's a lot better. Wrestling's uh, starting to come back. Technically, I've already had people blowing it up about shows and stuff. Uh, you have anything in the near future that you're preparing for? Yeah, uh, IWA's Coast is uh, July the 11th in uh, Milton, West Virginia. Um, I'm terrible at this. Resistance <laughs> Pro, Resistance Pro is in Tampa, July the 25th. And shit, Kamala Jr.'s got some show in June. I don't remember what it is. I get hit in the head too fucking much. I don't remember, but that isn't like Kamala Two, because you know there is a Kamala Two in all Japan. That's not. Is that Kamala Two? No, no, it's a different that's one. The, that's the Botswami Beast from okay from World Class Championship Wrestling. Now this is my buddy. I've always known him as Judas. Shit. <laughs> he's, he's about so, a he's about a five two, two Kamala. Five foot two. There's so many Kamalas, bro. <laughs> well, 
There's more doinks. So. No, oh, you're right, bro. There's still people out there living the dream. They don't care, man. All, all but the Alabama doink. The Alabama <laughs> doink died, man. That was my favorite guy. Yeah. Yeah, never the guy met, with never the mask. met him, brother. Never met him. I never met him either, but uh, I would watch his matches religiously when he would put them on YouTube just because I'm that kind of guy. I love shit like that. He was like, so, like $5 wrestling that never got to $5. I never got into that, man. I met Freight Train once at uh, the ECW arena for something or some shit when uh, he was really popular with the fans, but I never really got into it, dude. It just wasn't for me. Well... If you thought the matches were whatever you thought, um, the locker room was so much more entertaining. So uh, there's Freight Train, who you just mentioned, and then there is Little Donnie. And Little Donnie is, like, number two most famous $5 wrestler. Yeah. So me and Jake had the idea to put Freight Train versus Little Donnie. So... Jake went downstairs, Jake Manning went downstairs to film, and that left me in command up in the dressing room. So Freight Train and Little Donnie come over to me, and they're like, uh, this is Little Donnie talking, he's like, Pondo, we're both good guys, we really don't know what to do. And I said, well, whatever you do, uh, before the match starts, shake hands. And little Donnie immediately turned to Freight Train and said, Good luck, Freight Train. And Freight Train said, Yeah, you too. And then they started staring at me. I said, Guys, in the ring. Not in the block room. In the wow. ring. It, see? Entertainment. Wow. Love it. Hey, Love that it. Made money, dude. It does. And now, uh, while, yeah. and now um, uh, Kentucky, Indiana, we have our own. Uh, stars, special stars, special to my yeah. heart, that I mean. But uh, I've started my own, but COVID shut it down. But uh, I got LB5, which is Little Brother $5. So okay. that'll be coming pretty soon. And uh, uh, I'm going to use my guys from here, but Jake's going to bring at least a freight train or a Raider Rock or, or an Alex Cologne, you know, one of them special. Oh, guys. <laughs> special, you're calling me special. It's nice. To my heart. To my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucking bet. Dude, <laughs> uh, yeah, if, now, has wrestling always been kind of like the primary income or, say, the primary focus in your life? Man, I'm a way bigger horror movie fan than I ever was a wrestling fan. But, uh, Horror movies are a lot harder to get into than than wrestling, but I say that because I've, I've been watching horror movies since childhood. But uh, my mom, she doesn't know where it is, but for the longest time, she kept this piece of paper that it said, draw what you want to be when you grow up, when I was in school, right? Well, some kids were drawing cops, some kids were drawing... Uh, firemen, and of course, kiss-ass kids was drawing teachers and bullshit like that. Mine has a ring with two stick figures going at each other, uh, saying I'm gonna, I want to be a professional wrestler. But see, I was, 
was going to wrestling back then because uh, yeah. um, I'll give you the demographic, all right? So Flora, Illinois, where I'm from, is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, an hour and a half to the west was St. Louis, Missouri, that had wrestling at the chase. And that was uh, Harley Race, Bulldog Bob Brown, yeah. Bruiser Brody most of the time. Andre would come in there. Uh, an hour to the south was uh, Lanny pa- uh, uh, excuse me, Angelo Poffo's ICW, yeah. which had Macho Man versus Lanny and and uh, uh, George Winecroft and shit like that. Uh, they had a team called the Devil's Duo with uh, their manager, Izzy Slapowitz. And Izzy Slapowitz would, would carry, like, this, this Bible. And I remember being a kid, like, holy shit, that's some creepy shit that they were doing that. Uh, and then an hour and a half to the east was Evansville, Indiana. And it had uh, CWA, which become USWA later, which was your Jerry the King Lawler, Bill Dundee's, Moondog, Sheep Herders, and then five hours to the north was Chicago, Illinois, that just had every fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, WCW, WWF, um, World Class Championship Wrestling. I always wondered why Chicago got World World, Champ- world Class Championship Wrestling, but now that I know Buddy, Buddy Roberts' son, Buddy Roberts lived in Chicago and was bringing it there. But uh, uh, my favorite company there, it was Windy City Wrestling. And that was before WCW, mm-hmm. you know, the, the other one. But uh, they had just cool matches, cool matches that I wanted to see. Um, Colonel De Beers versus Sergeant Slaughter in a boot, can- in a boot uh, match. Uh, Frank the Tank got his... Head slaughtered by Abdul the Butcher. Uh, Paul Dangerously that was there. Eddie Gilbert was there. They brought in Bam Bam Bigelow just for a battle royal. But the two main events that I remember was one was Bruiser Brody versus John Nord, which was fucking awesome. And then the first, the very first battle of the Bam Bams, Bam Bam Bigelow took on Bam Bam Terry Gordy for the yeah. name. But of course Jeez. they fought to the back because they're both going to use the name but if you find that match somewhere and you look on the front row you will see one 20 year old madman pondo sitting on the front row you got all the good shit dude fucking john nord versus what the fuck that was that was i would have never thought that would happen dude and i'll tell you what also happened uh a fight broke out in the crowd and john nord went down and and Got into the not got he didn't throw no swings but he yeah. got like right there in the fight just watching these two guys and still doing the hus yeah hus, that's a hus. big ass dude I ain't fucking yeah. him of course nobody's gonna touch dude, him Fuck man, no. the way those dudes were built back then compared to like now like how big all them guys were compared to like yeah. I'm five foot five five foot six like pff, these dudes are like six foot something towering over everybody. I mean, look at look at uh, uh, Haystacks Calhoun. You know, I mean, today that shit might not fly because I don't know. People are against obese people. Well, uh, I 
I'd say that. I don't know. I'm not even going to say her name. I think you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. But people are so against obese people that that shit don't fly no more. But, I mean, just watching Haystacks Calhoun come to the ring being 450 pounds, you're like, what are they going to be able to do to that guy? Yeah. But now we know all they got to do is run circles and he can't fucking breathe because we're wrestlers. We know that. Well, I'm I'm the guy who can't breathe. So, but I'm doing all right. I'm I'm uh I'm trying to um get my weight down as best I can. No, that's good. It's dude, that's super important, man. You don't even know like the people are. Everyone's talking about COVID this, COVID that, but it, it naturally it affects people. A lot of people that are out of shape and aren't really taking care of themselves. And I think now's the time more than ever for everybody to really just adjust their lifestyle, even eating and exercising, and actually think about what they're I, doing. I never stopped. I, ne- uh, uh, I started this diet December 17th and never stopped because the cool thing about my diet is the shit that I was eating is not yeah. what people wanted. You know, so yeah. uh, I could go in the store and go straight to where I wanted to and pick up my stuff that I wanted to eat. Yeah. Where other people were grabbing hostess cakes and bullshit like that, you know, I would go straight to the cucumbers and and get those and yeah, so I really didn't uh I really didn't get affected by that. I always had toilet paper. That wasn't a problem. Uh hand sanitizer, I would use it if I was at work, so really I didn't have no problem with that either, so uh, I didn't wear a mask. I didn't wear gloves most of the time, all the time, except the uh, couple, couple of few weeks, maybe the last two weeks of Pete's King, I had to wear a mask and gloves. But other than that, I really didn't even change my lifestyle that much. But I know motherfuckers who stayed in their house over this shit. Yeah, no, I know a lot. Wrestlers, I know everything. Everybody yeah. of every walk of life, I've known at least a couple people from every walk of life that, that decided staying inside was the best bet, which is fine. I'm not going to criticize anybody for doing what they want to do. I just, I try to get out at least once or twice a day to do something, whether it's go to the gym, go grocery shopping, whatever it is, I try to get out. I don't want to be cooped up inside. You know, that's... Uh, I can't do the claustrophobic stuff. <laughs> that and heights. I'm with you, man. Ooh. So, so, um, you're... Obviously, you're an OG to this this genre of wrestling, right? Um, I, I like I to ask so. a lot of... Yeah, no, 100, you are. Uh, you're one of the most notable names. I mean, next to guys like Nick Mondo and all those... All the other superstars, you're right up there with them. Like, a lot of people know who Madman Pondo is. You you definitely oh, cover a lot of land, brother. Yeah, thank me. <laughs> thank yourself <laughs> for putting that work in. All right. Um, what's, what, because we all have, like, there's that moment that really sparked it for us. What was that moment that really sparked it for you when it came to, like, hardcore deathmatch wrestling? Well, I hate this motherfucker, but... Um, we, like, I was watching the ECW just like a lot of guys was, and, and, uh, the shit was going crazy. Do you know what tape trading is, Alex? I do, yes. Okay, well, it's a, it's a lost art 
platform now because there's internet and uh, you know you can watch any match you want to if you just search Google for it. But back in the day, there was Wrestling Review Magazine and there was dirt sheets that would give you addresses of guys. I never really saw a girl who wanted to trade videotapes for videotapes. Well, in my hometown, Florida, Illinois, my parents had one of the first descrambled uh, big satellites that you had to catch the right uh, um, signal to even get to wrestling. But I got shitloads of wrestling. So, uh, uh, of course, I was videotaping everything. My mom would uh, throw a fit that I had a whole wall of videotapes. She's like, get this shit out of my house. But I was trading guys, uh, and I was trading with a guy named Casey Stefan, who would give me, um, first it was Puerto Rico. People yeah. think death matches were started in Japan. They wasn't. They were started in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yep. And then uh, uh, Victor Quiones went to Japan, and that's when they started getting uh, big in Japan. But Puerto Rico didn't have a, a big, big uh, tape distribution like Japan did. So uh, remember the in your house video uh, uh, pay per views that was every week. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, me and a whole bunch of friends would rent those every week because they were every Sunday, and uh, I, I would get to noticing how a lot of the times my friends wasn't watching the TV. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we was joking around with each other or yeah. eating sandwiches or whatever. But at the end of that pay-per-view, they always said, hey, do you got another one of those deathmatch videos? I'd put it in, and all eyes would be watching the TV. So I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah. And now I was wrestling at this time. So I'm like, yeah, this is this is what I need to do, you know? So um, at e I wanted to be the first one to do it. In America, but uh, I had guys. I mean, that, when I started, and this sounds terrible, but uh, I think a lot of wrestlers will understand. When I started, it was, "Hey, go get you something free out of the concession stand or um, hot dog and a coke payments." Yeah. All right. So I would ask my friends. I'm like, "Hey, let's let's do this." Bob wire match, and they'd be like, fuck, no, are you kidding me? I'm not scarring my body for <laughs> nachos and a, a Coke and shit like that. And I totally understand it, you know, but they just didn't see the big picture like I did. i think shit out, and I knew that this was going to be something cool. So finally, um, I hate this motherfucker, but Ian Rotten and Axel was doing uh, at ECW, they did the Bob wire mm -hmm. bat and the, and the Taipei death and and all that and uh so they were the first two to start in america no matter what you think about ian rotten he was one of the first two that started the death match scene in america and then um axel got tired of it so ian and Ax uh, ian and bull Payne did a few at ecw so then no matter who it depends on who you talk to if you talk to Ian he got fired he got uh, if you talk to Ian he quit 
But if you talk to anybody else in this world, Ian got fired from ECW. So I scoured everywhere to find this dude because I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I yeah. wanted to do death matches. Um, I was a big Godzilla fan as a kid growing up. I know I'm a lot of fans, horror movie fans, wrestling fans, and Godzilla fan. And uh, do you remember the? Uh, do you know anything about Godzilla? A little bit, yeah. I know some, not much. You there? Yeah. Okay. So there, there was this uh, character called Mothra, and it was these yep. two little Japanese fairy that would have to sing this song to bring him. And for some reason, as a kid, I fell in love with them two Japanese fairies <laughs> so I wanted to get to Japan and and that was my big goal it was never and I know guys say this and some of them might be true some of them just know they're never going there but my dream was never WWE Same. never WCW um, never USWA I wanted to go to Japan that's where I wanted to go Dude, I, I completely understand. Same thing. So I knew this shit was going to get me there. And that's where this shit was going to get me. So uh, I started going on the road with Ian Rotten. And I mean, I was just getting my shit kicked in everywhere I went. But it was also helping me. Because at the end of the match, people would be like, well, he got his ass kicked. But my God, he took a, fuck, you know, took a fucking beating and all mm -hmm. that shit. And uh, I was always bloody after my matches and all that shit. Well, luckily, one day, uh, Michael Rogers and uh, uh, Ben Oliver at MRW in St. Louis, they brought in Abdullah the Butcher, and they said, would you like to wrestle Abdullah the Butcher? I said, fuck yeah, I want to wrestle Abdullah the Butcher. So I did, and if you know anything about Abdullah, like I do, he wants to get done with his match and sit in a fucking chair. Uh, after he's done, he's done, right? But uh, I wrestled him, and uh, after we got done, I came in the dressing room, and he came back and said, Pondo, let's go back out. And uh, he got me in a headlock, and we went back out. We went back out three three or four times, and the crowd was going fucking nuts. And when I tell people that story, they're like, Abdullah must have really liked you, right? So um, he told me, uh, Tony Brown had talked to Abdullah. Do you know Tony Brown? He was a CZW fan there for a while. Maybe, maybe. I don't yeah. remember him, but maybe, probably. Tony Brown and Abdullah the Butcher talked all the time, and Tony Brown had told Abdullah about me. So after that match, Abdullah said, I'm getting ready to go to Japan and in four or five days, whatever it was. He said, but when I get back, if you'll have me a videotape at my restaurant, I will take it back with me the next time I go. I wasn't accepting that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're, we're saying the matches got done at midnight. I lived four or five hours away from where those matches was. I, I went home and hooked up two VCRs, made myself a videotape, 
was at the post office when it opened, overnighted a videotape to Abdullah, and it was at his restaurant in two days. And that was before he left this time. And Abdullah called me on the phone. He was like, damn, champ, you really want to go to Japan, don't you? I said, yes, sir, I do. So that's who got me there. Uh, Tony Brown and Abdullah got me in Japan. And and uh, it was just unreal. My first flight over there, I'm like, I can't fucking believe a small-town kid from Florida, Illinois, is getting ready to live his fucking dream. So... While I was over there, man, it was just uh, bleeding every day and and uh, keeping myself happy. And a lot of people, they say, hey, Madman Pondo ain't nothing but a bleeder. But those same guys have not been on the Jerry Springer show. They have not been to five, diff- six different countries. They yeah. have not wrestled all over the world. They have not did a horror movie with Robert England. So fuck them yeah. guys. No, I'm just a bleeder. No, 100%. You like I said you you've transcended so many genres. Like, dude, how many wrestlers can say they've been in movies, they've went to Japan, they've went to all these other countries, they've wrestled some of the legends and guys you've wrestled, they can't. You know what I mean? Right. You've legitimately made this into a profession where not too many guys can say they have, you know, cuz like me, I I work a 9 to 5 outside of this current situation. I work a nine to five and I wrestle and it's, it's difficult to be able to handle both. Cause sometimes wrestling demands a lot out of you. You know what I mean? And I just find well, ways to make me, it work. I'm doing a nine to five too, though. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, we, we have to make ends. I, meet. I wasn't back in the day. I, I get yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Pondo. When Give I first yourself started a going credit. To, <laughs> when, when I first started going to Japan, I was stupid with my money. I was taking like 10 friends out to eat. I had uh, uh, three different game consoles, but only games for one. Uh, oh my God. I'm not even that big a, a music fan, but I bought a minivan so I could put a amplifier and, a, and big speakers in and, and just stupid shit. But I, I, I'm just saying this for all wrestlers out there. Yeah. Do not do like me save some of your money put some of your money away i was just stupid and spent shit for no reason you know man the just that whole story like not a lot of do like the the luxury to be able to do what you did and be able to get to japan the way you did like yeah i don't know how to explain it but like the way the business is now like People don't have to go through that much trouble to get a hold of people. Like, for you to, to all right, I just finished the show. I got to get this tape together, and then I got to overnight it to Abdullah so I could get my ass to Japan. Like, nowadays, dudes will just send tweets real quick. Oh, whatever. Right. Da, 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 or, or talk to somebody they know, and then somebody they know, like, gets a hold of the office, and maybe they get the in that way. But it was so much harder back then it seems like to be able to get an opportunity to even go to some place like Japan like nowadays and you know not to say anybody can go but like if if you well, can afford a ticket and you could talk the office into bringing you I'm over I'm with you man <laughs> like uh the day big japan told me that they probably wasn't going to use me anymore they told me about uh and I hate to bust these guys out but yeah. they're the ones who did it the Jakara guys are going to fly themselves over. And I said, well, what are they going to be able to offer Big Japan? And they 
told me that well they're they're only coming in for forty dollars a match. You can't live over there for forty dollars yeah, no, a fucking match. No. But that's not what I was talking about. I'm like, yes, but are any of the Chikara guys? Because Big Japan is a deathmatch company. I don't yeah. give a fuck what anybody says. But I, I don't even know how, how the shit went. But uh, yeah, that that pretty well pushed me out of job. And don't get me wrong, I get it. It's a lot of wrestlers' dream to wrestle in Japan. So. I've never flown my. I've, I've been to, I've been to Japan, Mexico, Germany, England, Australia, Canada, all to wrestle, and didn't use my own dime. Yeah, you know, it was always their dime. And uh, to to move back to where you was talking about in the beginning. Yes, you say I'm. Um, I was the third big deathmatch guy, but it was so much. Much harder to get your name out then because there was no, uh, there was just video tape trading. There was yeah. no um, social media like there is today. There was no YouTube where you could just pull up a match. So there for a while, people forgot who the fuck I was. I, I think because I was going to Japan so much, and it it kind of killed me here, which I, I didn't care because I was a star over there, you know. So. That was fine by me, but then when Jakara did that and I was just here, yeah. it's like my phone slowed down big time. Really? And then, yeah, for for about a year. But uh, shit started happening. Uh, uh, I, I'll tell you what brought it back was when uh, DJ brought me in. It was. Me and Nikki and Nate took on Cult Fiction, and, and after that, my phone started ringing again. Oh. Otherwise, I don't know, my shit was just dead. That's wild to think of because I was I was uh, getting a lot of uh, secondhand DVD rips of Big Japan when you were literally there all the time. Yeah. So yeah. I, maybe the people that only paid attention to U.S. Indies, but like I think. Even for me, I paid attention to Japan. It was like always Japan and then Indies, U.S. Indies. So, I mean, you were pretty much, I would catch you in tons of videos I even have up in this great closet that you see. I have tons of DVDs with Madman Pondo in Japan. So, like, you weren't forgot about, man. It's just sometimes that's, and you would know, that's how the wrestling pendulum swings. Like, like sometimes you're the hot thing. You're the hot thing. Your phone's ringing. And then sometimes your phone just isn't ringing. Dudes don't want to fucking, don't want to bother. They have other other hot commodities that are out right now. And that's just how wrestling works, I've learned. So I I never take it personally. I was over there with CZW, I think, from 2000 to 2003. And then I became the Gaijin boss all the way up to 2008. And uh, the Gaijin boss job pays more than what just a wrestling job does. So. Yeah. I was doing really good, and then that's when they gave me the, uh, well, Jakara is doing this. And uh, Masada, he was still going over there. He had a, a Japanese wife yeah. that I think was helping him out get back and forth, but I didn't have I didn't, yeah. I had a Japanese wife, but at this time we hated each other. So yeah. She wasn't helping me do shit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get married, Pondo. <laughs> hey, man. You know... 
I married a Japanese girl, and uh, you hear these rumors about how they're serving it to their men. I met the one motherfucker ain't never heard of that shit in her life. No, I've heard, dude. I'm not gonna. I'm never. I'm not throw, throwing Japanese wrestlers under the bus, but I've heard some some of the wives, the Jap, Japanese wrestler wives, aren't the nicest. So you weren't you. the only one, man. You trust me, you were not the only one. Oh shit. Dude, now, man, Japan, like you were saying, Japan was, like, where you wanted, and that was, Japan was where you wanted to go, and that was the same with me. Like, I never wanted to be on TV. I never wanted to wrestle for WWF, WWE, or whatever. Right. Uh, Japan was always, always my, like, dream. And I, I as you know, because I spoke to you recently a lot about it before I went over, I finally got to go yeah. over uh, just did my second tour before this pandemic hit and like I love it man it's like I can't get enough of it and there's dudes who will go right. there and they just want to come back home they don't want to they just don't want to immerse themselves in it and it's like when I was over there I was loving it I was like this is exactly how wrestling should be back home and then we have to come back home and face reality and then it shows on the weekends and then busting your ass on a 9 to 5 during the weekdays it, it's just like oh man when when that bubble's there, dude, it's awesome. But it's like when that bubble bursts, back to normal. This, this is the story. People tell me, ask me all the time what Japan's like, and this is what I tell them. Um, you can go to McDonald's in Japan, and they're smiling, and they call you over, and they're smiling the whole time they're taking your order. They run to go get it. They run back. They set it down in front of you. You pay for it. When you sit down and you unwrap it, it looks like the pictures Perfect. that they have uh, advertised. That's Japan. Um, they don't have trash cans everywhere, but there's not a lot of trash all over the streets. Nope. But there's a million fucking cigarette butts. That's Japan. And then uh, wrestling... Over there is is a respected thing. Like over here, uh, I would say, I mean, I, I don't talk bad about nobody, but when Vince said that we were entertainment, that pretty well, well killed it over here, I would think. But there, I don't know if they just didn't pay attention to, uh, to um, Vince McMahon, but... I know when uh, Super Leather and Leatherface would come out with that chainsaw, they would all fucking run. You know, WWE crowd would probably look at the blade and see that there wasn't a chain on it and not move and shit like that. Yeah. You know? but, but yeah, that's, I, I love Japan because they they're not only believers, but they make you a believer in what you're doing, and I appreciate them for that. No, I I 100% agree. Um... Dude, it's like, and I just got back, and it was just like, oh, man, I want to go back immediately. Like, I don't know, like, from your point of view, you, you've you stayed over there for long periods of time. We're, t we're talking about, I'm only there for two, three weeks, you know, I'm not there for months on end, so maybe I'm, I'm just in that daydream, like that honeymoon phase, and I don't understand. It's just the way I view it, it's like it's everything that I thought it would be and even more, you know? Well, here is, so when I was over there with CZW, there was always five or four or five of us, so we had each other to talk to. Um, if we went out to eat, 
we all went out together, therefore we all had good times and shit like that. Then after CZW was done there, I had a Japanese wife. So I, I would stay at the in-law's house. Um, I had friends in Japan then. Uh, 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 he hates the way I say his name. Um, to, anyway, I have a friend there. He works at uh, Walt Disney Sea, and he can get free Disney tickets. Um, Sayazawa, I think that you hung out with Sayazawa. Yeah. Yeah, he would awesome. take me to the uh, the sumo wrestling matches and uh, fucking uh, Mr. Danger Steak, and you know, so it was easier on me, I think than it is on wrestlers today. But you guys are going over there with like five or six guys as well. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, so at least you got each other to talk to. But there, when, when you're the guy gene boss, the American boss, whatever you want to call it, uh, sometimes they would fly you over there for meetings and horse shit like yeah. that. And you're there by yourself, you know. Um, of course, when I was there by myself, I would have Japanese friends, they'd pick me up, they had 24-hour arcades back then, you know, Yeah. just just find shit to do, but it, it, for anybody to go to Japan to wrestle and bitch about being in Japan, I don't understand that one fucking bit. Me neither. I, I, like, I like Zandig, I like White Beater, I like all of them guys, uh, Nikki, Justin, all them dudes. My God, we'd be on that bus, and they would just complain about being in Japan, and I never understood that. And they'll even tell you, all of them will say, Pondo never complained about being in Japan, because that's yeah. where I wanted to fucking be. Yeah. And that's where I was. 43 yeah, times there and back. Gee, oh my God, bro. I remember... 44, 44 in November. That's crazy. I remember no, sitting in the car yeah. with Necro, and he was talking about how many times... He went to Japan, and it was, like, one of the last times he went, he finally got his Ribera jacket, and he was like, I didn't know that was going to be the last time I was in Japan, man. It figures when I got my Ribera jacket would have been the last time. So it's crazy to think you've been there 40-something times. Like, Jesus. I've, I've had three Ribera jackets. Does that tell you anything? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gaijin because, boss. Gaijin because, boss. It, well, I, the reason for that is, Every time an American, a new American would come, of course, that's where they wanted to go, Ribera. Yeah. So I had been there so many fucking times that, that I think he just felt sorry for me, and every once in a while he would slip me another jacket. So, yeah, yeah I had three of them. But as much as Ribera's jackets are cool, Dangerous, I think I think Mr. Danger Steak is the best steak I've ever tasted in my fucking life. Fucking dangerous, bro. And you know what's crazy? It's like these past few years, like people have come out the woodworks, like, oh, Mr. Danger was such an inspiration, death matching. Like lots of guys I, I heard would would uh, come up to to a group chat where we'd all be talking and people would talk about danger. I'm like, dude, I was probably watching Matsunaga matches before you even knew the fuck Matsunaga was. Yeah. It's like he was. That, that was my uh, that was my tape trading. That was my main focus was uh, Masanaga versus Pogo. Yeah. Um, 
when Pogo caught Masanaga's hair on fire, I'm like, what the fuck is this? But I was, I was, was pulled in, and now uh, Masanaga, he, he gave me his wing bands and told me to call myself the American Danger Man, and Pogo, every time I was in Japan, always wanted me to come work for his company, which Big Japan wasn't having, but... yeah. The two guys that I was watching to become retarded like I am today are the two guys that that loved me, you know? And I yeah. was, like, freaking out, you know? They always say don't meet your heroes, but yeah. them two guys, they were awesome. Was was Matsunaga the, the uh, kind of the inspiration for you to do the psycho, the psycho uh, barbed wire trampoline thingy? No. No, I mean, I, oh, what, the, the circus death match? Yeah, yeah. Oh, most yeah. definitely. Yeah, but but I wanted to throw. If you've seen it, they just had one plank, him and mm-hmm. Yamakawa. Yep. But I wanted to up that and do three. I just didn't think it was going to be eighteen foot fucking high. I guess I didn't really think about that. <laughs> but it didn't really bother me. Like uh, this, this was the secret of it. Instead of cut. Cut, 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 cut. It was yeah. just one piece that got ran this way, and then one piece that got ran this way. So there's no way you was going to go all okay. the way through it. I mean, yeah, it still scratches the shit out of you, but yeah. the big suplex you're talk- talking about, the worst part was me and J.C. Bailey, we clunked our shoulders on the way uh, after we hit. And uh, I remember J.C. wrestling... Uh, Nate Webb on a Wednesday, and then I wrestled Nate Webb on a Saturday. And Nate was talking about diving over the top rope, and I said, Nate, any other day, I wouldn't say no, but I got, I ain't gonna lie, I fucked my shoulder up when me and JC hit the barbed wire. Mm-hmm. And Nate looked at me and he goes, that's exactly what JC said. So now I know, see, JC kept his secret, I kept mine, but I went over <laughs> to him, I started patting him on his shoulder like, Hey, everything cool? But yeah, there's another guy, man, J.C. Bailey. What a fucking brave dude, man. Can you imagine uh, what kind of star he would be today if yeah. he was still around, man? Uh, it, dude, it's it's crazy to think, and we're just coming off of um, Danny Havoc passing yeah. away. But like guys like him, J.C., even uh, Nate Nate Webb, who's currently still with us, thank God, uh, yeah. Nate Webb, you know, the style of deathmatching they were doing when they were doing it was leading to what how we're doing it right now, you know? Because there was that, there was that, that where y'all all were doing it, and it was really like the hot thing. And then it kind of died out a little bit, and then it came, we all brought kind of brought it back into the main fold. Um, and I feel like those guys were... And I I've met JC a bunch of times when he did CZW towards the end. Uh, I I got to talk to him and we we chatted it up a bit. And um, he he was an awesome dude, dude. It sucks. It it just sucks. And same thing with brain damage Marvin. I loved Marvin. Um, me and Joe Gacy got to uh, drive him around every time he came to Philly for CZW. Me and Joe Gacy yeah. would be the guys to pick him up and then we we uh, roll him around places. Um. And just be able to pick his brain. Such a amazing dude, but fucking legit scary. <laughs> Same thing with Toby. Um, and obviously, you and I have have passed many of times. 
Um, it's just, oh, yeah. dude, I just hate, I hate, especially in the deathmatch community when, when dudes pass away, especially young, man. It's like, it kind of hurts me and <laughs> because these are guys who inspired me to do what I'm doing. And it's like one minute they're there and you're talking to them. Like I told everyone, um, I just talked to Danny Havoc, uh, the Thursday before he passed away. I was having a conversation with him, making sure he was okay and he was doing good. He was sober and everything was good. Um, and, uh, he just, you know, whatever, whatever. And, um, just like, that's how life works, I guess, man. That's why I just like try to take every opportunity. Um, you, I don't know if I ever talked to you about this, but I was straight wrestling for years and years before I decided to do death matches. I didn't want to do death matches. Oh, um, I fucking remember. Don't think I don't remember. <laughs> I didn't want to have anything to do with death matches. Uh, I liked watching them, but because I was in CCW, you, you got to fucking like watching them. But like, right. I didn't want to do it. And Danny Havoc was the reason why I started doing death matches. He, uh, DJ dumbass got rid of me because he felt like I wasn't up to par. And Danny Havoc fought for me, fought for me, fought for me. Um, he knew I had something. He uh, got me to get back in, and me and him did did a bunch of stuff, and that's what got me back into everything. Got me back into the fold. Um, got me into GCW Japan. Like that's all Danny Havoc, man. Straight up, one hundred percent. Well, don't feel bad because the ultra violent master, um, and I'm not running them down, but. Uh, he, I guess I kind of am, but not meaning to, but, uh, the truck stop match that we did mm-hmm. when, uh, Zandig was dressed like the ultimate warrior, he was looking at me and Ian like we was a couple of fucking fools, but now yeah. look at it, you know, I mean, it's death matches just getting to you and then, uh, they can't get out of you, you know, and so, uh. I've seen people say I'm not going to do another death match, but then do another death match. That's yeah. why I've never been that stupid to say that because I'm just going to look like like an idiot after I do another one. And now that I'm 50, uh, these kids will come to me and they'll be like, "Hey, man, let's do um, uh, I don't know, fucking, let's go off the top." rope to the outside through the gusset plate boards, and I'm like, guys, I'm fucking 50 now. Like, <laughs> you know? Like, don't get me wrong. I know you're all watching those old videotapes. Yeah, I was yeah. I was 20 to maybe 35. I'm fucking 50 now. Like, oh I do my best with this shit, you know? I mean, I, I, I think of things that I can uh, stay alive in this deathmatch world. Uh, I did the saw that and next thing I know, um, who, who's your guy with the cheek? Stick to the thing in his cheek. He, a lot of people. You wrestled, that. huh? <laughs> a lot of oh, Sakuda. Sakuda, yeah, he's got one with two on it. Really? And then, and then Matt Tremont, he's got one. I'm like, guys, I'm fucking fifty. I'm trying to survive, <laughs> and you guys are taking my shit. Same like Masada. Poor Masada. Yeah, yeah no. Hey, bro, it's a form of flattery. I don't, I wouldn't take it personal, but we all know that's your shit. That and the stop sign. No one's an idiot. You know, right. if somebody does it, I'm just like, oh, it's just a form of flattery. I, I would know, I know personally, Masada would get 
pissed when dudes would do it. Oh, just yeah. fucking get. I would furious. go to shows. I would go to shows and independent workers. I would, I would see them with them skewers, and I'd say, "What are you gonna do with those?" I'd say, "Oh, I'm gonna put." I'm like, I'd take them yeah. from them. <laughs> and I'd collect them, and I'd say, hey, Masada, here's a whole bunch of these. And I'd have, like, ten packs of skewers that I took off independent wrestlers. Uh, I was there when um, Sayazawa, and Sayazawa would bring his friends. And Sayazawa would take a toothpick and, and hit it on his friend's forehead and stick yeah. it there. But Sayazawa would, like, catch him on fire, shit like that. But... That's where Masada got that from. I was there when that shit got in Masada's head. I wasn't there the first time he did the 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 skewers, but I was there when he got. He was like, "Hell yeah, that'd be a good idea." Um, I wanted to come back to. Uh, you remember um, the GCW Hall of Fame? Yeah. And uh, there was. Two sections. There was a section where the people were sitting, and then there was a section all the way in the back. You know, I'm talking about that round, uh, yeah. that like curved place with chairs. Yeah. And I saw Danny sitting back there, and I went back. I'm like, Danny, everything cool? And Danny like looked at me, and he said, "Pondo, I just want you to know that I appreciate you paving the way." And I'm always a humble guy. I'm like, nah, man, I didn't pay shit. Like, this this is you guys doing this, you know? And and he, he just kept wanting to tell me how appreciative he was that I'm the one who did this bump or I'm the one who started this bump. And I really didn't even pick up then why he might be telling me that. I mean, he, he's always very appreciative of things, but thinking about it now, I wonder if he was trying to tell me then what he, what he, you know, what might have been going on, but the reason I'm even telling that story, I mean, there's a Supreme, uh, yeah. fuck, like, there's, there's Do you have run-ins so with Supreme? Guys. What's that? Did you have run-ins with Supreme? Oh, yeah, we, we, we uh, were in Japan together oh, for the really? Backyard Wrestling Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And uh, we for in California, I wrestled Supreme for the uh, video release party, and then New Jack came in and jumped off a bus and put me through a table and all that bullshit. But yeah, man, like me and Supreme were, and then in Mexico, uh, we were in a six man, and uh, Supreme even told me he's like. He said, "You know, there's four other one. Okay, so uh, let, me, let me remind me of that. Right. Tell me, Damien six 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 here in a minute. But All this right. was the point that I was getting. There's a supreme. There's a brain damage. There's Danny Havoc, and here is the problem. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to get a hold of Necro. Um, he's got real bad service on his phone. But even you, Alex, I've wrestled you before." I want to appreciate. I want. I just want to say how much I appreciate you either putting me over or me putting you over. Or I just want to appreciate. Have everybody know that I appreciate them putting up with my shit. You know what I mean? That that uh. And and I was on uh, Danny Havoc's tribute with with uh, 
dysfunction and uh, Scotty Vortex. I told them, and I just don't know how to get the word out there enough. I want to tell all the wrestlers that I've ever wrestled, and I'm talking about even back in the day when it was, uh, you know, guys that nobody even knew. You know, people still helped me in my 31 years, and I just want everybody to know that I appreciate Mm -hmm. how much everybody helped me become who I am today. Do you think, some don't think it's anything, some think it's a lot. Either way, I'm just saying I want to appreciate. So, what I was telling you, um, me and Supreme, so I'm sitting there and two Mexican guys, like, this is like my seventh trip over there, and uh, they know that I, I'm a jack-off and I like to pull tricks on people and shit like that. And these two Mexican guys, I can't even remember what their fucking wrestling names are, but they come over to me and it was like, uh, okay, so it was a six-man scramble, and me and Supreme was in it. Uh, a DTU guy with blonde hair was in it. Uh, Jack Valente was in it. Mm-hmm. Another, I think Angelo, Don, uh, the the cinder block guy. Yes, was in it. I know you're gonna say yeah. that. Yes. And then, uh, at which which that was totally out of character for that guy. I've been, really? I have been around Angelo Demano and. Mm-hmm. That other dude, he must have pulled some shit because Angel Mono is one of the nicest guys ever. But the sixth guy that was in that match was Damien 666. And I kept telling everybody, I'm like, oh, fuck, man, I want to get my picture with Damien 666. I've been a fan of that guy. So me and Supreme are sitting there, and these two Mexican dudes, uh, other wrestlers, come over, and they said, hey, Pondo, we just want you to know, uh, be be careful in there because Damien's going to get you. I'm like, what? I don't even know that guy. And they're like, well, we don't know, but we're, we're listening. We, we hear. He's going to get you. I'm like, okay. So Supreme looks at me and he says, so what are we going to do? And I said, no, 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 I don't want you to do nothing. Don't, don't worry about it. So we're in there, and yeah. all our names get called, and ding, ding, ding. I go right after that motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to know, hey, man, I'm a cool dude, you know. So um, uh, we fought in the ring. We fought outside. We went all the way up in the bleachers. Uh, we came down. Uh, I didn't know how the match ended. It, it didn't have nothing to do with me and him. It was like two other guys. And when we got in the back, he, he's over there, and he's hugging me. He's like, Pondo, the, the intensity, I loved it, you know, and he's hugging me, telling me it was a good job and everything. And then those two same Mexican guys come over and said, we were just fucking with you. He didn't say that. Oh, but, but I'm kind of glad they did that because then I got a little respect out of Damien666. But I've never seen the guy again to tell him that that's, that's what happened at them two guys. And it's not like I beat into him or he beat into me, but, uh, uh, you know, I was just willing to work with the guy, so um, I just went straight after him. That's the kind of guy I am, though. I mean, I, if somebody has a problem with me, I want to know what the problem is, and then that, yeah. that's, that's why I'm going to confront you more than you waiting to confront me. No, that's the best way. Dude, wrestling, sometimes wrestling can get really 
I don't want to say shady, but people tend to not express their animosity out in the open. They expect nah, you, you to say it. wrestling you know, is wrestling is shady as yeah. fuck. Um, every wrestler is scum. Uh, I've known two wrestlers that are not scum in my life, but uh, we will stab you in the fucking back. We are the worst pieces of shit, but. Then, then uh, if we wasn't, would we be in the wrestling business? No. Uh, I think I think deathmatch locker rooms are are very different from regular wrestling locker rooms. If that makes any sense. Um, I, I, uh, I get you. I get you, you on know, that, dude. The nicest the nicest people I've met in this business are all deathmatch wrestlers for the most right. part. Like, yeah, there's some nice people who aren't deathmatch wrestlers, but most of the time it's because I've known them for years and years. But you know, I've been in regular wrestling locker rooms where everybody everybody comes off kind of like you know, shady. They're they're making political moves. Everybody's right. got an ulterior right. motive. They got to get their shit in in the match. Right. Like that you you're working a seventy thirty. You don't know what the fuck what's going on. Yeah. Shit's out of your hands, and then you go into a deathmatch locker room where everybody loves each other and they just want to have a good match, and then call it a wrap, you know what I mean? And, and go and whether they go out drinking with their friends afterwards or you go drive to a fucking, a white castle or something crazy like that and have some burgers afterwards. Like it's just the locker rooms on both ends of those spectrums are just completely different. I mean, I've, I've noticed that the past few years. I heard you, man. And I agree with that. Like, uh, of course, Ian, he's a piece of shit, but I haven't met too many uh, deathmatch guys that I don't want to hang out with. Yeah. What I'm trying to say, like, I would hang out with, I would hang out with any of the deathmatch guys. Yeah. There's not one that I would say, that, that I haven't hang out with, as yeah. a matter of fact. Like, uh, I've never wrestled Slack, but I've been in the same room with Slack, and I really like Slack. I've never wrestled Marcus Crane, I really like Marcus Crane. I'd hang out with Marcus Crane, but uh, I've hung out with you. Uh, we we went to Connor's house after uh, Tournament yeah. of Death. Yes, um, where you I, told Jimmy Lloyd. You know, remember where you Jimmy told Lloyd. Jimmy Lloyd not to build a, 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 a fucking blade, the blade he had in his wrist. I remember that like it was yesterday. Oh, yeah. and you were like, "What the fuck is that, Jimmy?" <laughs> because he was one foot away from me, and I saw his blade. I mean, fuck, why don't you just grab a goddamn machete and do it? <laughs> it was him and, and uh, Kit. Yeah. yeah. Kit Osborne. I was like, Jesus Christ, guys. Bleed, okay, but don't fucking decapitate. Yeah. Hey. And then, and then DJ came back there, and I said, DJ, did you, did you train those two guys? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I want to show you this. And I had Jimmy come over and show DJ. DJ is played. <laughs> DJ's like, where in the fuck did you? It was like an exacto knife that somehow how they got cut, they cut it in two. I, they had to use fucking uh, wire cutters to cut the goddamn exacto yeah. knife in two. What does that tell you? Yeah. But now, fuck oh, them guys. I think they got it now. I think they. Uh, I mean, yeah. Jimmy Lloyd. Fuck man, he's like the future of this shit fucking scissors guy over there. <laughs> like, I hear you. 
Shit. I, I, I've apologized to Jimmy about this, but at the GCW thing, mm-hmm. I remember I was in the back waiting to go to the Hall of Fame, and uh, Jimmy came to the back, and and everybody was freaking out. Well, then when when they wiped the cutoff, it was only about this big, and I'm like, what the yeah. fuck is everybody freaking out about? So I'm like, does. Jesus Christ. And then I watched uh, Hardway, Jeff Walders's. Blu-ray, did you yeah. see that? No, I haven't. And I seen saw it. what happened that the scissors went oh, down. Yeah. I was like, "Fuck!" I was yeah. wrong on there, and I had to yeah. apologize to Jimmy later on. I was like, "Dude, sorry about that." He's one. not fucking with scissors after that, though. He learned his lesson. I hear you. Didn't he get him? He right should have learned from you. He got uh, my scissor thing. That one, the one CCW show, where like, let me tell you about that. What the fuck? Yeah. But here's the thing about that. Me and Ian wanted jobs at CZW because we knew that it was going to be, if not, not number one, number two to IWA Mid-South. Yeah. Um, and Ian always told me, if you can make it in Philly, you can make it anywhere because they've seen every fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So I was out to prove that I was Philly, I was United States, I was world-renowned. So... Uh, you remember Hat Guy from ECW? Yeah. He was out in the crowd, and Ian said, okay, if we're going to get jobs here, if we're going to impress anybody, we got to do something in front of Hat Guy. I was like, all right, cool, what are we going to do? And he's like, I don't know. Let me sit here and think about it. And finally he announced to the locker room, he's like, does anybody have a pair of scissors? And uh, Lord Everett? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Lord Everett said, yeah, I have one. Now, what we didn't know was Lord Everett took these scissors right out of the package, so they were razor fucking sharp. And uh, when I cut that across Ian's head and gave him a 22-stitch gap all the way across his forehead, I had no idea. And then he gave me 11 in my arm, and, you know, but we made... The hat guy gag, therefore, we got jobs. That's how you do it. You're not right, man. You're not right. <laughs> Dude, how many how many times do you, how many times can you literally say in a match you've been like, Alright, uh, this isn't good. I don't know if I should fear for my life. Um twice. Alright. Uh the first time I was doing a three-way in St. Louis with Pete Madden and uh, uh, Manslaughter. And Pete Madden, we were fighting on the outside, and he went to do a moonsault off the guard grill. Mm. And I don't know if there was soda or what, but as he pushed off to do his moonsault, I heard his, his uh, shoe squeak down, you know, his foot jerked that way. So he was doing a moonsault. He was coming head first down to the ground. Mm-hmm. So I took two steps forward, grabbed him, which made me fall back, and there was a bolt sticking out of the ring post. And I didn't just land on it. I skimmed across it and fractured my skull right back here. And uh, I got in the ring, and I went over to the ref, and I said, I think I need to go home. And he's like, why is that? And I turned around, and he goes, 
oh my god, brother, you need to go to the fucking hospital right now, which freaked me out even worse. But then, yeah. then once I got set down and it stopped bleeding and everything, this is the dumbest shit. Uh, that was back when in the nachos and coke day. So instead of getting <laughs> stitches, I, I super glued it shut. No. And that was the dumbest shit ever because for a month I was getting dizzy. Like I couldn't turn my head this way with the whole yeah. room not spinning. But I didn't want to get hooked on pain pills. So I don't want to say this guy's name, but he's too tough. He talked me into, uh, he's like, well, just smoke weed. And I'm like, no, I don't want to get hooked on that either. He's like, you won't get hooked on weed. You'll get hooked on pain pills, but not weed. So I smoked weed for about a month and a half. And as soon as that pain was gone, I stopped smoking weed. But, yeah, that one was dangerous. And then not so much when I did it, but the, uh, the pencil board. Me and Toby Klein, where I took the Death Valley driver yes. on the bed of pencils. Yes, I remember that. Okay, so uh, every time I have sex with a girl now, I have to back out of the room because I've got this purple fucking scar that goes right down into my crack and it looks like a shit stain. So I have to explain to girls now. I'm like, hey, I got this purple thing. But, but the thing about that was when I landed on those pencils... When I fucking landed on those pencils, it wasn't that big a deal, except that one that was almost a second okay. asshole. But when I got home and tried to sleep, the the lead or what the graphite, whatever it was, poisoned my body. And I still have the shit in there today. Like, my whole back on the right side just has pencil marks all over it. That shit poisoned my body for six fucking days. Like, I was in agony. And uh, day one, day two, I'm like, surely day three I'm going to feel better. Day three I felt even worse. So I finally went to a hospital. And, of course, they did not understand why I had so many pencil marks in my back. Yeah. But uh, So I finally told them. And they're like, well, we really don't know what to tell you. Um we can give you uh, painkillers. And, of course, I didn't want fucking painkillers. I'm afraid of pills. But uh, I took ibuprofen, which would maybe help me for an hour. After that hour, I was right back to, to fuck. I mean, anybody out there that sees that bump and wants to imitate it, um, mm -hmm. don't. Because uh, that, that's me. That's me telling you that. Yeah, I've done some crazy bullshit, and i got no reason to tell nobody not yeah. to do anything. But those pencils fucked my life up for six fucking days. Like, I heard Jimmy, Jimmy uh, Chondo, you know, mm -hmm. from H2O, he loves yeah. me. And mm -hmm. he he wants he wants to do shit that I do, and I heard he was going to do better pencils. I called that mother motherfucker right away. I was like, look, man, don't do those pencils. And I'm, I'm sure people think that I'm just uh, wanting to save that. You know, like, I'm the only one who took that bump. Yeah. Hey, I wish that's what it was. No, that shit fucked me up for six days in a row. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, if they do take the 
bumped, they were worn by me. You yeah. heard it, Alex. All right. I mean, no, I understand, man. Uh, I think I've only had one or two instances where it was like, all right, this might not be good. Um, uh, Grant's last match, his retirement match at CZW, we took a, a crazy fall where I gave him a Spanish fly off a ladder through, like, a sandwich of, of glass and uh, light tubes. Uh-huh. And um, it ended up splitting. Uh, you could probably see on video, or maybe not, but like, there's a mark right here, a big mark. It was a vagina, yeah. and then in the back of my head was a vagina. So they got me to the back, and they were cleaning me up. And then I was like, I was ready to go home. I was like, Yo, we got a ten hour drive. And the doctor's right. like, No, dude, we can't stop the bleeding. Like your the back, of your head's fucked. Your hands fucked. He's like, You need to go to the hospital. So Schlack, out of everybody, Schlack throws me in his van, he takes me to this fucking rinky-dink Jersey hospital, it's, you know, it's Jersey, takes me it's to this Jersey. Jersey hospital, I fucking sit in the waiting room for 30 minutes while people give me the weird look because I'm covered in fucking light tube dust and glass and I'm bloody, I look like fucking a mess, uh, they've wrapped me up with gauze in the fucking triage room, so I have gauze all over my head and my arms, <laughs> Um, so I literally sit there for eight hours before they even check me. Uh, the lady made me get up and take my own shower, Pondo. I had to walk across the hall. She said, you have to take your own shower, honey. I had to fucking take off all my gear. I'm, I'm barely, dude, I could barely move. I felt like I was going in shock. Could barely move. Had to take my own shower. Uh, as they were taking me to x-ray, I started fading in and out. Dude, it was it was bad. Like I remember them being like, "Oh shit, we got to get you back to the room." So the fucking the X-ray lady literally threw puts me on a um a wheelchair and she starts rushing me back to the room because I was like, "Yo, I'm fading away. Like I I feel cold and I was just fading out." And then they dump a bunch of IVs and shit in me and the doctor basically says, "Hey." <laughs> Uh, you were dehydrated and all the blood loss. You were basically going into like kidney failure or some shit. Oh, and wow. um, he's like, thank God we got you some IVs and stuff. Cause you were in pretty bad shape right there. Right. So I think that's like the only time I've ever experienced. Give it up, crazy. Give it up for uh, Anita Jacobs. Give it up yeah. for Anita Jacobs though. Uh, yes. The, the CZW nurse girl. Yes. Is she the one yeah. that took care of you? Uh, not that show, but, um, uh, the one TOS, I wrestled, uh, Cyclope, you, if yeah. you know who that is, and, uh, he gave me a curb stomp on light tubes, and it cut my, my forehead from ear to ear, and I couldn't stop bleeding in the match, to the point where his, uh, Miedo, his own partner, was, um, trying to throw stuff on me in the middle of the match, and they were like, dude, you need to take it home, and I, you know me, fuck that, I refused to take yeah, it home, we that. kept going till the end. And at the end of the match, I uh, Steve, I don't know if you ever remember who Steve is. He worked for CCW in the back. Really tall guy. He would help put all the gimmicks together. You probably don't. Anyway. I've been hitting that too fucking much, yeah. <laughs> Some dude, Steve, was there that I knew back from CCW days. And I looked up at him. I was like, dude, you need to get me out of this ring before I fucking die. And, like, the dust is everywhere. I couldn't breathe. So he, like, throws me on his fucking shoulder. Right. And they run me to the back. And Anita's like put it basically put me back together, and I was like, "Oh, I think I'm good now." <laughs> After almost thinking I was dying. All right. Good stories. <laughs> I hear you, man. I remember the first time um, uh, Ian cut me with a light tube, not not a razor. Like Ian yeah. cut me with a light tube. Uh, Luna Vachon was on the outside for some reason. Uh, uh, gang. 
Grail was on the outside, but um, I'm I'm laying on Ian. I'm I'm trying to pin him. I'm bleeding black, and uh, the the ref isn't paying attention, and they think this is. I mean, it is funny, but uh, I'm I'm trying to pin Ian, but I know that I'm I'm getting ready to go out. Like I can feel my my eyes and everything, and I'm like. Half a fucking ring, because <laughs> I want to hurry up and and do the pin. But uh, it was just that I had never lost that much blood, and then when I did, uh, it just lowered my blood pressure. Mm-hmm. But I was fine. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> here's a here's a good little story. So uh, my first. Hardcore death match was uh, against Danny Havoc on a CZW yeah. show. Uh, it was the first time I ever gigged. So he hits me with something, throws me to the outside. I start trying to fucking whatever. I don't get anything. So I start digging. And then finally, I'm like, all right, it's coming down. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm losing too much blood. So as he's picking me up, I'm like, dude, I think I'm bleeding too much. And he's like, bro, you're not fucking dying. Get back in the ring. Like, he fucking That's throws right. me in and then we keep going. I'm like... When you first, I don't know if you ever had a first, like, first time blading experience, but for me it was very like, oh, I feel like I'm going to die, you know? I, I don't think I have. I mean, my first, second, third, fourth, fifth, yeah, I, I was fine. But that one time when I started bleeding bleeding black, that that was the bad one. But, I mean, by the time I got to the back, like, my, my skin was all white. But uh, by the time I got to the back, I was fine. Now, now at at your current your current state, whatever uh, life wise, you've done so much shit in wrestling. Like, what now coming out of this COVID shit? What's your focus? What's like the focus? The thing that's driving you wrestling wise? Once all this shit starts clearing up and we get back to normal stuff. Uh, two things. The first thing is I want to lose weight I want to wear extra large t-shirts again and there's this ride at Universal I'm not even that big a Harry Potter fan but I've been kicked off the motherfucker four times for being too heavy so I want to lose weight for two reasons to ride that fucking ride and then I want to go to Japan uh, not fat like I watch all my videos, you know, uh, I was always overweight and um, always sucking air. I want to go to Japan this time and, and be in shape, and uh, Shadow's taking a big chance on bringing me over there. He says it's not a chance at all. He says Japanese fans still love me, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I got a bad thing about my mind that people forgot me, but... Um, I want to be able to go over to Japan again and put on, on a good thing, you know. I mean, I'm 51. Who knows how many more of these I got in me? So that's my two motivations that I got, and that's that's what drives me to go to this bridge and walk every night at 10:30. That's what drives me to want to poke my eyes out every time I cross paths of the Krispy Kreme, you know. I mean, I've been <laughs> I've been doing my best to. Uh, to, and and I really don't see it until I put a picture of me before and a picture of me now, and I'm like, holy shit, I have lost weight. But yeah, uh, I'm 51 now, so I want to lose weight. Uh, 
participate and and uh, try and keep up with the kids today, which uh, you're one of them too. It's going to be rough, but I'm going to do my best to to keep keep doing death matches and until death matches quit doing me. You know, Gypsy Joe all the way. Yeah. Oh, oh Gypsy Joe, dude. That's a not a lot of kid. Not a lot of kids nowadays know who Gypsy Joe is. Let's just keep it like well, that. If they ask me, I will give them a hundred stories about Gypsy Joe. One hundred. Um. Uh. You know, I think, like, honestly, from my perspective, I think you still have another run in you. You just got to be motivated, dude. And I see that you're motivated. You're trying to lose weight. And like, coming from me, I know that doesn't mean shit because I've only been wrestling for almost fifteen years. It ain't nothing compared to what you've been doing. But like, you know what I mean? Like, um. And I was going to mention this before to you, like, regardless if it was in public forum or private forum, like, sometimes I seen you on the internet and you were kind of down on yourself or someone would be like, hey, hey, uh, or we, I would have a conversation with someone and you would be brought up and you'd be like, yeah, Pondo sometimes seems a little like, you know, he's not in the best of spirits when it comes to wrestling on social media. I'm like, you know, we all have that, that fucking moment. Like I had, granted, I've only been wrestling for almost 15 years, but like, you know, when you're when you're moving at a certain pace and you feel like you should be farther or you feel like you should be doing more than you are currently doing, like, you get into that depressive state, man. And, like, coming from, from me to you, like, I, you know, there's no reason, I don't feel like there should be any reason for you to feel a certain way because you've done so much in this business. And, look, look you can still walk, you can still wrestle, you know what I mean? You can still do stuff. Regardless if you feel like you can still do the shit you did 10, 20 years ago, that's that's a whole nother story. The older we all get, the older shit, the old dude, the older I get, like, compared to two, three years ago, like, I have to change my style every year because my body's not going to react the same. And I understand that. I'm not an idiot. You know what I mean? I know you've been around so many great minds that you could easily figure it out. I just feel like from my personal view, you still have another run in you you just gotta fucking pull it out of yourself you know what i mean i want to see you versus schlack 100 percent. i want gcw or some big place to fucking bring you in for fucking shows a tournament i want to watch you fucking go with some of these young guys and i want to see it happen dude i was around when for the tod's that you were there and people were hyped dude there were so many fucking pondo fans out there and i was hyped i was like god Pondo's gonna come in and beat up DJ Hyde. This is fucking great. You know I, what I mean? But, I, I was so that that last tournament of death I did when I took on Matt Tremont. Yeah, I was. I never get nervous anymore. It's an like, awesome match. Nerves are gone out of me. But I was in. Was that Philly or New Jersey? What well, the Delaware? Show? Delaware. Yeah. Delaware. Yep. I was in Delaware, but it was all Philly and New Jersey. Jersey fans and Matt Tremont's one of their favorites and DJ said Matt was going out first I'm like ah maybe I you underestimate should go out first DJ's like no uh, Matt needs to go out first so Matt went out and of course they're all chanting his name and I'm like oh my god they're getting ready to shit all over me and then the minute I walked out it was Pondo chants and it was just just a great fucking feeling and then uh after i took the power bomb on the bicycle the uh the everybody and, and then i was at the gimmick table people 
kept telling me, Pondo, uh, it's good that you're older, but you didn't you didn't just cash it in. You you fucking went for it all. He, he, I love that match. Tell me, huh? I like that match. I watched. I was there for the show, obviously, because yeah. we went to Connors together. But like, I watched that yeah. match and I loved it. I thought it was awesome. People started telling me, you know, just you taking that power bomb on the bike. You you didn't want to, you, you know. Yes, you're older, but you didn't just want to come there, get done, and go home. You wanted to still show people shit, and that's exactly what I did. I mean, that pedal was a motherfucker, but, you know, I wanted people to realize, hey, I still want you guys to, to appreciate me. But then when they came out, when, when I came out and I heard the fucking CZW crowd chant my name, I was like, holy shit, you know. It's like when I went to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, they kept telling me the Australian fans they love you. Well, I mean they're gonna tell you that and get you there, you know. Yeah. But then every arena that I walked out, out the fucking Australian fans were chanting my name. Uh, Mexico, uh, they said, whatever you do, don't run down the country. And I'm like, all right, cool, no problem. Well, my first uh, sentence when I grabbed the mic was "fuck Mexico," you know, and and uh, people were throwing shit and all that, and I just fucking loved it. So Mexico, they remember me. Um, me and well, I went to England with the video game. Uh, me, M Dog, and Josh Prohibition a long time ago, and people knew me then. But then when I went for Mike Hofe. Me and Sarah took on uh, Jimmy Havoc and uh, Clint Margera. Oh my God, the people were fucking going nuts, and and we did an autograph session, and uh, people were lined up the door. You know, it's just amazing. the The only place like they really didn't know me the first time, but, but then they caught on and and started coming to see me was Germany, but. Uh, after a while, Germany was even like pond of this and pond of that, but it's just amazing to me that you can go to a different country and because of social media now, they know who the fuck you are, yeah. you know? I love that. Dude, people, like like I just said, you just underestimate yourself. People know who you are, dude. You've transcended so many different genres Humble. outside. Dude, outside of wrestling, and just like your fucking shirt says, the last one's left, bro. You you literally are one of the last original guys who were really doing death matches the way we know them as death matches, and you're still fucking doing them. You know what I mean? Just give. Yeah. All I'm saying for me on a personal level, give yourself more credit than you give yourself. You know what I mean? Like, you you deserve it. I feel like you have another run, and you know I hope that that whatever you're doing to better yourself works out for you. And I want to fucking see you at these bigger places fucking tearing it up with us young guys. I want to see you versus Schlack. Shit, I'll wrestle you again. I, you know, I don't... <laughs> we yeah. fucking go in, dude. I just want to see you get that that other opportunity. Obviously, Japan's going to come along. People are going to remember you, like we were saying. They're going to... Because I was over there and people knew who the fuck you were. Me and, me and uh, Ozawa had a fucking bunch of conversations about you when uh um i was over there especially the one you told me where uh he was he designed you and tony that shirt 
that mm-hmm. one time for the first time, and that's when his his ball started rolling. So, like, yep. you know, people remember you, dude. People know you fucking exist. It's just you got to give yourself more credit than you honestly do. Uh, I never I never will do that, I'm sure. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I want to wrestle Slack. I want to wrestle Mar- Marcus Crane, but I don't want to. Like, uh, Briar Wellington, he, mm-hmm. he, he lets me more or less uh, – uh, do what I want to do, you know, I mean, mo- where most people are, hey, you're older, you need to slow down, Briar's like, yeah. you, you, you want that, uh, you want that, uh, fucking gusset, gusset board, take the gusset board, mm-hmm. you know, so, he is all about the same thing you just said about me, and he'll put me versus, uh, uh, Pete, or he'll put me versus, um, I can't remember who all I've wrestled for him, but uh, the horror slam people they they know who I am and shit like that. But uh, yeah, I would I would like to do. I don't think Brett's really into it, but I would like to do more JCW matches. Like like I, I would like to wrestle Nikki again. I'd like to, of course, Slack, of course, Marcus Crane, uh, all them guys. H two O is gonna bring me in, put me versus uh, well. Life Louie, I think yeah. I'm ready to do that shit. You know, like I don't want to, I don't want to don't, don't slow down. I want to keep. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, I want to keep doing th- things where I'm alive even after I pass away. And yeah. I, the thing that showed me maybe that I'm, I'm doing that. Kids nowadays are making gifts of me. You know. uh some kid sent me a gift the other day where brain damage powerbombed me on the bed of nails. And he asked me, he was like, was that the worst pain that you ever had? And I said, fuck no, them pencil boards. Next thing I know, within five minutes, he sent me another gift that he made of me taking the Death Valley driver on the pencil board. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think I think my name's going to stay out there for a while, like, but uh, just like you said, you know, um, Gypsy Joe, oh, my God, uh, he wrestled till he was 70. Dude, and People run runs the guy down because he looked old or whatever, whatever you want to say. But I'm telling you right now, there was a lot of wrestlers that was afraid to wrestle Gypsy Joe just because mm. he was fucking rough. And uh, he wanted you to be rough. And if you wasn't rough on him, he would beat the fuck out of you. Uh, I never had that problem. Like, I, I knew the rules. So, I always, when I was in there with Gypsy, I always, uh, well, you can go on YouTube. Uh, uh, some wrestlers dared me to do a, a match with Gypsy Joe where I grabbed his dick the whole time. <laughs> and it's on YouTube. I did. And, oh my God, Gypsy Joe was beating the fuck out of me, but it was so funny, I I, I couldn't stop doing it, but yeah, but just like you said, Gypsy Joe, um, Joe LaDuke, I just don't want to be one of these forgotten guys someday, that's why I keep on going, I, I keep wanting to do death matches, uh, I keep on, uh, I, I got a book about me now, you know, mm-hmm. uh, John Cosper wrote a book about me. And uh, if you want a copy, you can go to Amazon.com. 
Um, or you can go to eatsleepwrestle.com and get an autographed copy. But that book book's going to help me, uh, my name, stay alive. And then uh, the GCW Hall of Fame, the JCW Hall of Fame. Uh, I was supposed to be in the ASW uh, Hall of Fame. You know, just shit like that. I, I want to keep on doing. I want to keep wrestling. I want. I'd love to do GCW. They're coming to Indianapolis, and I didn't contact Brett. Maybe I mm. should have. I would have loved to have done something there, but yeah. you know, just I see people either not thinking that I have it anymore, or not even thinking about me at all when they're booking their show. So, but I appreciate Brett Lauderdale for putting me in that Hall of Fame. That was yeah. great. And then um, I'll tell you a little little funny thing. Uh, so you saw when Connor got in the ring, it was uh, uh, Danny did something, Matt did something, and then I did something yeah. to Connor. Uh, uh, here's the funny thing. Matt was supposed to go last. Danny was supposed to go second. I was supposed to go first. But when we got in the ring, um, they chanted my name all the way to the ring, and it was really loud. And I didn't see him do it, but Matt and Danny talked, and Danny come over and said, Pondo, you're going last. I was like, all right, cool. And then I guess they told Connor that. So if you see the uh, the... Um, oh, how it went down, yeah. but Danny did something, then Matt did something, and then I did the last thing with the stop sign. It wasn't supposed to be like that, mm -hmm. but that was that was pretty cool of them guys to to do that for me. No, 100. Um, I'm going to close it out like this, Pondo. I think you have one more run, brother. Uh, you just got to let it be known to these guys like GCW, all these other big companies that you still got it. Like, you know, sometimes it's hard for people to pay attention because they have other shit going on. You know what I mean? I feel like you you can do it, dude. You just got to let people know, hey, I'm still fucking here. I'm still motivated. And I can still put fucking quality work out there that people are going to love and appreciate. I mean, you said it yourself. Fans still chant fucking Pondo all the time. It's nothing new. And you know what I mean? You're, you're a solid fucking guy. You're a solid fucking wrestler. So... I'm not worried about it. I already know what the fuck you can do in that ring. So I hope in the future, you know, these companies, once we come out of this situation, will start giving you an opportunity. Because I do want to see some matches with you and these younger guys. You know what I mean? And now's the time. It's like, don't waste, don't waste any time that we have, you know, because time's fucking precious, man. And not too many people are taking that into account. Like... Like, I'm, I'm pretty good with wrestling history and the people in wrestling. So, like, I tend to not forget about people. Like, I, I always, you know, I mean, you always pop up in my head because I've been around you so much that it's like, it's like you're always there. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't forget about Pondo. Like, I, you were one of the guys I wanted to have on this podcast when I first started it because you have so much knowledge and so many great stories to tell. You know what I mean? I want to make sure that gets out there. And I want, and I literally 
my goal was to let people know you're fucking still here and like even seeing you be be down on yourself on social media i feel like it's bullshit that like you still have another run in you and it's like let's open up the eyes of some of these fucking promoters you know what i mean regardless if it's gcw if it's japan wherever the fuck it is it's like hey pondo can still fucking go give this guy a chance to show what the fuck he's got you know what i mean let's give it another run let's give it another fucking go um Dude, thank you for being on. Is there any social media or anything you want to pump before we get out of here? Man, I'm the worst computer idiot you ever <laughs> meet. But if you if you want to uh, connect with me, my real name is Kevin Kennedy, C-A-N-A-D-Y. Uh, and then if you put Pondo after that, you'll you'll get my Facebook. That's about all I got. That's Facebook. Right. I, I got a, a a fucking Twitter and an Instagram, but. I don't even know how to do that. I was writing people and they wasn't writing me back. I guess you have to put app in the front of yeah. bullshit. Fuck yeah. all that. I don't know. So <laughs> Facebook, I know how to do that. So all right, Kevin well, Kennedy. Yeah. Everybody, look up Pondo. No, literally anyone who's listening to this because Pondo, I do get a couple listeners. It's like pump out to these companies that Pondo's got another run. Hashtag something. It don't fucking matter. Like, help us let these people know that Pondo still has another run. If, if they don't believe it, he's out to fucking prove it. Plain and simple. I Pondo, will. thanks for being on, brother. I appreciate you, man. As always. All right, man. Thank you for letting me be on, man. Brother, any fucking time. Anytime you want to talk, you already know what it is. Cool, dude. All right, everybody. For me and Pondo, it's been great talking to y'all. Peace. Thank you and please join us again next time for another episode of No Psychology Needed.